chapter 10, uh, verses 1 through 21. John chapter 10, beginning now at verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger, and a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, uh, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be safe, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is a hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, they shall hear my voice. There shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. There was a division, therefore, among the Jews. I'm sorry. There was a division, again, therefore, again among the Jews for these sayings. And many of them said, He hath a devil and is mad. Why hear you him? Others said, These are not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? May God add a special blessing to your reading of his word. And let us just pause for prayer before we begin this afternoon. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity for us to be in your presence as we humbly bow before you today. Father, with there are many concerns around the world and many things that seem completely and wildly out of control. And yet, Father, we lean and trust in your sovereignty, your love, and your overall awesomeness. You are not just a God, you are the God, Yahweh, Jehovah. We rest in that power today. Father, we would ask that you would have your will and your way with us today, that our hearts, our minds, everything that makes us who we are, would be open to listening and regarding your truth. We would ask that you would guide us in that truth, and that, Father, as Jesus even said, the truth will set us free. Father, as we come before you with humbleness and, and just solemnness, Father, we ask that the Holy Spirit would lead us in our thoughts, that the word would go out, it would minister to those that particularly need it, but Father, to all of us, because we all need truth. 
we would ask that He, the Holy Spirit, would exclusively be our teacher today. Thank you for the words of encouragement, words of truth that will come to us because of having the possibilities of serving a wonderful, awesome, mighty, and magnificent God. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we kind of dove right into chapter 10. We're on a search, uh, not really a search, but a um, kind of an expose, shall we say, of the I am statements uh, that Jesus said in the book of John, the Gospel of John. We've went through a couple of them thus far uh, to review I am the bread of life. We found that in chapter 6. I am the light of the world, which we looked at last week. Today, uh, we would like to look at I am the gate or I am the door and I am the good shepherd. They fit together very nicely. And then there's three remaining. I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And finally, in chapter 15, well, I am the true vine. But as we come to this passage in chapter 10, um, I would say maybe conveniently for the writers and for us maybe even to follow along within our scriptures, uh, chapter 10 just pops out in the middle of a session that has no interruptions. In fact, we would find that even from chapter 8 of John, uh, in fact, take your Bibles, if you've got them, I'm sure you do, and turn with me to the last verse of chapter 8 of John, and it says that because of the things that Jesus had said in chapter 8, he made some pretty profound statements that I am the light of the world. We talked about that, that last week, and uh, their perspective on that, and he came to the very end of verse 58, and he said something that just completely blew them out of the water. In fact, let's take a look at that in, uh, in verse uh, 56. He concludes his statement saying, this is chapter 8, verse 56, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not fifty years old, and thou hast seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> now that'll get it going. That'll get some things cooking. In fact, look at the last verse of chapter 8. It says, Then took they up stones to cast at him. Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. And, and again, chapter 9, incidentally, is still part of chapter 8. This is a continuation, a flow, if you would, an ebb and flow. Now, it's easier for us to go and find chapter 9, verse 1, and chapter 10, verse... This is all the same day, all the same event. Now, as he was slipping through the midst of them trying to stone him... And did, did you catch that? He's in the temple, and they want to stone him because he's declared himself to be their Messiah. He's essentially made himself equal with God. And I can't, I can't help, it's later in, the, in, the, in our, my lesson today, but it just, it, it's hitting me so hard, I have to come back to it, because even today we find ourselves, it's so hard it seems like to tell the truth. You know, there's, there's people that can't hear the truth. They can't even discern the truth. Look what he said to these religious leaders. Let's go now to John chapter 8, and let's dial into. Um, I'm going to just start in verse 42. Now, this is already in a heightened level of climactic level of, of conflict. Um, they've accused him of being born of fornication. Verse 41. Watch verse 42. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father the devil. 
and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now watch this, verse 45. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Did you catch that? They couldn't, they were blind because he told them the truth. Think of that. Think of that. To actually be told the truth, and because you're not of his, you can't even grasp what is being truth. These are the religious leaders. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. Well, in chapter 9, we could read that too, but I'm going to have you do that on your own this evening, potentially. As Jesus is slipping through the midst of this crowd, in verse 1 of chapter 9, it says, As Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, say, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, there's a question, isn't it? There's a question. Now, it's interesting. Jesus responded on this particular instance in verse 3, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but the, the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work for long as I am in the world. I am the light of the world. He again, comes with that. Again, that, a carryover from chapter 8. But here you have this man that's sitting, incidentally, by probably the gate coming out of the temple. This is, and all of this is flowing to the thing. Now, this is just a quick review. We didn't write it down. We're going to talk about the two I am's today, and they are the I am, I am, I am, I am. You're not getting this. I am. You finish. I am the door. The door. And followed by, I am the good shepherd. But gate and door would work. That's, you're, you're right on it. Okay? Why is he saying that? Because it fits the context of what he's doing. Literally, as he's slipping through because they want to stone him, think of that, he slides by the gate of the temple, and you know what? There were beggars there. There would have been those that were, this man was born blind. Great place for him to be because he needs to have some sense of existence. This would be a good place by the gate of the temple to receive some sense of whatever you'd want to call it, sustenance, money, whatever it might be. And that's when Jesus sees him, by the gate. And if you, that's why I'm going to not, the rest of your assignment is read the rest of chapter 9. We'll probably dive in and out of it. But chapter 9 of John is all about Jesus dealing with this man, this beggar, this one born blind, and he takes some clay and puts some spittle on it, puts it on his head. No, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now that sounds, that sounds really good to a guy that's blind. <laughs> but, but you know, you'll always find this, the great miracles, great things in your life, and I'm using miracles in this case, but even in your own life, if you're not willing to obey God and stretch out in faith, trusting Him, it's very unlikely that you will get to the point that God wants you to be. It's going to take trust and following. That's what Jesus says even as being the shepherd. My sheep will hear me. What happens after they hear? They will follow. They will follow. That's interesting. This man, and ultimately, as you go through chapter 9, uh, Jesus heals him physically. All of a sudden, this one born blind sees. I can tell we're going to have to do a little bit. We're going to be in chapter 9, too. I, I just can't stand it because there's too many things 
just coming out at me. It's just, it's so much fun to watch this Savior heal this man. And then it was on a Sabbath. That's a no-no. That's a no-no. Why would you want to heal a man born from his, from, uh, born blind on a Sabbath, for heaven's sakes? Why couldn't you wait one more day or previous? That totally took who? The blind, the false shepherds, and just went kapushki. We got to read. Let's go to chapter 9. I can't stand this. It's just too much going on because it fits into chapter 10. Oh, where do we want to go? Well, you just got to do it. We read all the way through verse 5. Verse 6. When he had, do you know what's happening here? You don't want, you're not going to have any homework. Isn't that something? So we're going to take care of it in class today. Verse 6. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Shalom, which is by interpretation set. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came see. The neighbors, therefore, and they which were before had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is, is, this, is this not he that sat and begged? Some said, uh, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Now, what, you know, it, he was, it was so different that even people that knew him from just passing by constantly, Wait a minute. This guy can see, he's walking around and you can see, and somebody said, well, he's like him. <laughs> you know, don't, don't accept what's really out there. Isn't that crazy? It sounds a lot like what goes on in our world today. And then verse 10, therefore said they unto him, how were your eyes opened? And he answered and said, a man that is called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, said unto me, go to the pool of Shalom and wash. And I went and washed. And I received sight. Don't you love that? God said, you know what? I want you to go somewhere and be something for me. Why don't we go all the time? Isn't it just like that? And he tells you, just matter of factly, I got by the name of Jesus, put some clay in my eyes, and he said, go wash in the pool. So, so I went, and I could see. He had no shock, no nothing to him. This is a man born blind. It's just matter of factly, I did what Jesus said to, what to do. Why are we astounded sometimes? Why don't we do what Jesus tells us to do? Great answer. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. They said on him, verse 12, where is he? He said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that before time was blind. And I'm curious, why would that be? Why, why, would, you, why would you do that? That's what it would look like. They're looking for trouble, Right? Especially when you name the name Jesus. If it would have been something of this nature, oh, I don't know, I just like got up, went to the pool of Siloam, washed my eyes, poof, I can see. Well, how about that, partner? But when he said Jesus, Sabbath, problem, this is about the fourth time now they've wanted to kill Jesus. This isn't a new dilemma. Now they're out to get him. So let's go to the, let's go to the religious leaders now again. It was a Sabbath day, verse 14, when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him, how had he received his sight? He said unto them, he put clay into my eyes and I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Heaven forbid he just healed the eyes of a blind man that was born that way from birth. But how could he possibly be from God if he healed on the Sabbath? Was that a little bit over accentuation? It was intended. It's crazy, isn't it? But that's the whole, that's the big problem. Well, for goodness sakes, how could he? How dare he? 
Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? Aha! Do you see it? Jesus is always the watershed, isn't he? He's the continental divide. Men will fall on one side, following truth. Men will fall on the other side and not believe. Unbelief, belief. Jesus is that center, that divide, that watershed. What? So let's keep going. They, they say unto the blind man again. You, you have a sense he's getting tired of this? Keep going. What sayest thou of him that he hath opened thine eyes? He said, he's a prophet. <laughs> this isn't helping. This is not helping right now. And it goes on to say, but the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received it. Is this not, do you, should you be doing all of this stuff on the Sabbath? I don't think so, but that's not the point. We hate Jesus. We hate Jesus. That's what this is about. We hate Jesus. Right? So now they say, this guy was never blind to begin with. So let's go call his parents. Dun, 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 dun. Ring, ring, ring. Here they come. What's this? Now this, by the way, this is probably news to the parents, might I add. Oh, where did I leave you? They asked them, verse 19, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then doth he now see? <laughs> I, I, it just blows my mind. What do you think those parents are saying? Is that our son? Right? I mean, and then they're saying, Is this really your son? <laughs> was he really born blind? Verse 20. His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. Uh, he's of age. Why don't you ask him? <laughs> How many times has he answered the question now? This would be number four. <laughs> okay? If anybody was counting. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. Watch this watch very, very carefully. Something had transpired, I'm convinced, in just the last few days. Watch verse 22. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was the Christ, now what does that mean? Jesus. We've, we've had Jesus and we have Christ. Jesus Christ, you put them together, and that's Jesus, the Messiah. If anyone said that the Christ, the Messiah, was Jesus, he should be put out of the synagogue. Oh, my goodness. Now, you see, the parents were trying to ride the middle fence. They were probably happy that Harold could see. I don't know if that was his name, but you know what I'm trying to say. And they said, you know what? See how tough this is to ride that middle deal? You just about fall over. So I'm, I'm pretending to walk a tightrope, right? But the parents, <laughs> the parents had a decision to make. They've seen their son who was blind. They know he was born blind, and they really don't know what's going on. But if the son said it was Jesus... I think they're going to go with Jesus, too. But they said, what? Why don't you ask him? Because <laughs> it says right there they were afraid of the Jews. They wouldn't want to give anything to Jesus. And they probably didn't know much about him. But I'll tell you what, I'll bet they wanted to know something about him, watching what they had done. How many people there were watching from a distance? Whoa, I knew Harold. Now, again, don't take, I, I have to personalize because it makes it clearer and cleaner. This man was blind from birth. He, how many weeks had he been? This is a grown man. How long had he been laying there looking for somebody to take care of him? And now he's standing up. And literally, you can tell, 
I don't know, but I can see. <laughs> That's got to be exciting. And the Jews, they're all stuffy and puffy, aren't they? Well, I can't believe he did it on the Sabbath, for goodness sakes. And by the way, if anyone says he's the Messiah, you're history. You are excommunicated. How many churches today or cults use that as a weapon, a lethal sense of a whip? Every single cult. If you don't deny Jesus for who the Bible says he is, you'll be excommunicated. It is. That's right. And, and tolerance, this is going to be a little branch. You can tell we're going to step away from just a second. The level of tolerance, that word tolerance today used to mean something different when I was growing up to what it is today. Tolerance means that you agree with me. That's what they want you to do is to agree wholeheartedly with what they believe. That's tolerance. If you say anything, think. If they could figure out what you were thinking, right? It started way back then. Whoa. Did you, did you, did you ever see that before? That's crazy, isn't it? You couldn't even, you couldn't, if, if you had the idea and you watched what just happened now that Christ miraculously opened the eyes of a blind man from birth, born blind, and you couldn't say out loud, that's the Messiah. Boom, you're gone. You see, that's not something that just happened in America in the last six months. That's a weapon of Satan for many, 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 many years. Right? Isn't this something how he uses the same tactics over and over and over again? Let's keep going. I'm having too much fun. Chapter 9. Then again called they the man that was blind. <laughs> Verse 24. Well, of course, let's do it again. As if they're going to get something different. And said unto him, give God the praise. We know that this man, who's, who's this man? Jesus. See, they can't even say his name. That's how much they hate him. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, <laughs> I just, don't you just love this guy? This is Joe Blow, real kind of guy, America. I mean, it was, he was living in Israel, but I'm, just listen. He said, you know, whether he be a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I know, I was blind and now I see. <laughs> I can just, oh, that was not what we wanted to hear, right? He just lets, and by time four, asking for the same thing, you would probably get tired of it too. <laughs> Don't know if he's a sinner or not, but I know I was blind and now I see. That's about as clean and cut as you can make it. Verse 26. Then said it, then said they to him again, What did he to you? How opened he thine eyes? What difference would that make, by the way? I don't know. He answered them. <sighs> there was a sigh. I know there's a sigh in verse 27. <sighs> I have already told you. I'm sorry, I have told you already, and you did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Watch, why am I even talking? Will you also be, ooh, this is a barb. Now, this is a barb. This is the first time now he's kind of going, do you want to be his disciples too? <laughs> oh, baby, that's like going, well, snap, right? <laughs> oh, that was, a, that was a zinger. That was a zinger. Now, watch how, like, how much they like that. <laughs> Then they reviled him. That's a word that means they weren't very nice. And said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not where he came, from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, 
Why herein is a marvelous thing that you know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, let him, I'm sorry, if and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. But that's pretty good, isn't it? Did you, do, you, do you see what's going on here? This man that was been sitting, I mean, can you imagine the sense of notoriety? How, how many times do you think those guys had talked to him previously? They've engaged him now for several times. How did he heal you? What did he do? What did they look like? What did he say? Did they care about him when he's laying there? Not a, not a word. Nothing. Zero. This guy's, and he's finally, he's laying us out here. You know what? If you can do miracles like that, that says something. Let's keep going. We're just about, got, have you noticed we've just about gone through chapter 9? This is crazy good. <clears throat> they answered verse 34 and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they what? They threw him out. They cast him out. They cast him out. Why? He had just literally said in so many words, Jesus was the Messiah. Now, I want to I I jump on this for just a little bit, because this is really what Jesus is now. Is when he says this thing, I am the door. He speaks this parable, chapter 10. It's going to follow rather quickly now. <clears throat> this is the context. The religious leaders have taken a man that was sitting by the gate of the temple that was a beggar, blind from birth, that has just declared from the miraculous healing of himself that Jesus is the Messiah. They kicked him out of the temple. Now, that's not, to, that's not just today. He doesn't get to come back next week. This is, did you see it? Chapter 9, verse 22. This is a permanent, permanent excommunication. What were they guarding? What were they looking for? What were they, they, were, they were at the door. <clears throat> they are really distinguishing themselves as being false shepherds. False teachers. If you would, wolves in sheep's clothing. I don't even like a wolf in a wolf clothing, let alone having a wolf in a sheep's clothing. You know, that is probably one of the most sinister things. And, and you've heard it said, and it comes from the scriptures, actually. But if you, <clears throat> how many of you have seen the, a wolf in the wild? And if you haven't, how many of you have seen a wolf that's real? I mean, just, just literally, you know. In the field. Yeah. And now compare that. This, this, this is the thing that's so sinister. Compare that to a sheep. What do you want to call the sheep? Good. A good sheep. Let's call him... What's a really nice, soft name? Because that's what sheep deserve, don't they? They do. No, seriously. You take a wolf and... Uh, fluff. That's good. Fluffy the sheep. Thank you. That is spot on. That's where we want to be. Fluffy the sheep. And it does justice. And you guys are laughing, but you know that's the right name. Because you wouldn't call Fluffy the wolf... No, what would we call the wolf? Let's call the wolf. Let's get his right name now. Careful now. I know there's... There, there, you, no. Say, let, let, well, you know what? It fits perfectly too, doesn't it? They are... Right? They're as tough and as mean and as evil as anything. I once went to a, a convention many, many years ago. Wolf, wolves were just being introduced. 
And granted, I'm, I'm very biased because in agriculture you see the damage and the, what happens from that type of a predator. It's not a game. And I listened as someone spoke. It was, it was a gathering that was pro-wolf and anti-wolf. It was actually the Farm Bureau Convention in Bozeman. Now, why the pro-wolf person would come to that event is beyond me. You couldn't call her intelligence, right? I mean, it was a pretty slanted group. And she went on and on, and she said, wolf is not a vicious animal in any way, shape, or form. It eats only what it needs to survive. To the, you know, I mean, it's just, <gasps> right? Okay. <clears throat> went on and on and on. So there was a lady in the front. How did I get into this branch? Let's cut. <laughs> just because, but, but the, the point of the, yeah, well, I've got to finish the story now. So anyway, there was a lady toward the front of this gathering, and she said, after the talk, there was question and answers. And, uh, and she raised her hand, and yes. She said, oh, what do you do for a living? Well, <clears throat> and just kind of danced around the question, you know. And the lady, you could just tell she was a rancher gal. She stands up, and she says, ma'am, I asked you a direct question, and I want a direct answer. <laughs> well, my main thrust in life is backpacking. Is there anything wrong with backpacking? Of course not. But why don't you try being a sheep herder for a while and talk to me about a wolf? Right? Or anything. I mean, do you see what I'm saying? How could you get perspective on really what is going on? This is literally now why Jesus says what he says. He has just literally come and healed a blind man at the temple watched this man being excommunicated for the rest of his life. Now, how do you think he feels? I'm talking about the man, the blind man. How do you think he feels right now? For that moment, just that, just that moment. Well, for the love of... Right? What did I do wrong? I woke up blind and now I'm... And now I, yeah, I woke up blind and now I can see. And I've been kicked out of the church. I think there's some of those questions today, right? That couple in St. Louis, or is it Kansas City, one of the two, they came out and protected their homes with guns that they're allowed to have. I don't know where that's going to go. They've been indicted. Are you kidding me? What did we do wrong? See, there's people that can't even recognize truth. It was the same that day. It's the same today. We should not be astounded by the fact that truth doesn't sell. Did you see what Jesus said again? I can't, I, I just, I'm just going to continue to say this in the fact, because I said the truth, you cannot hear it. Don't let that pass over. That's crazy, isn't it? When you're not his, you can't get the truth. Wow. Okay, let's, we got to finish chapter, we're not even, you know, we're not going to get very far today in chapter 10, have you noticed? But it all ties together. Chapter 9, let's go. keep going now. He's just been kicked out of the church. Verse 35, Jesus is always around. Isn't, isn't it cool? Now, Jesus, at this point, where's he? They don't really want to talk to Jesus. They want to kill him, okay? So now watch. He's just been kicked out of the temple. Jesus, verse 35, heard that they had cast him out. And we had found, when he had found him. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you see that now? He heard he got kicked out. So now Jesus going hunts down the blind man. <laughs> I love it. Here comes a point. Here comes an opportunity. 
He said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Oh, don't, can you see it? We talked about last week the sense of you, there's, a, there's a point of not believing out of ignorance and not knowing the truth, but when you're exposed to the truth, then there's the opportunity to believe. Here's a, here's a prime example. Here's a man that literally, you can see it, he wants to know beyond the shadow. Yes, Lord, who is that? For sure, who is it? Oh, isn't that good? You can see this is coming. That's a seeking after him. Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really clever way of saying, I'm the deal. And he said, I'm going to get back to you on that. Have you ever witnessed it to somebody and you laid the gospel out there? And the answer was, uh, I'm going to think about that. That means no. That's what that meant. No. What did this person say? I love it, right? He says, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. He's really out of the temple now, if anybody was watching, right? But isn't that great? He got kicked out of the temple by the false shepherds, and he has now went through the gate, through the door, into the eternal kingdom of which Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. What a trade. He doesn't even recognize exactly what's taking place yet. But this is, now right here is where Jesus stands up and says what he does in chapter 10. Does it not get a lot? more bright when you see that fitting together? I'm hoping. Otherwise, we waste a lot of time reading chapter 9 to you, right? But let's keep going. Here we go. He worshiped him. Verse 39, Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. That's pretty interesting. Right here with nuts and bolts cases, that man that was blind, physically blind, now has become not only physically seeing, he was spiritually blind, and now he is spiritually seeing. That's a reformation and a... That's not even a reformation of the cat. What, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I'm going to say regeneration. I mean, starting from ground zero, a blind man spiritually and physically, by the end of the day, has been kicked out of the temple that he's probably spent more of his time in that gate than any other place on the planet for his lifetime, he's been kicked out, and now he has just entered through the door, Jesus Christ. That is really cool. Let's keep going. And it's amazing how the false shepherds even become blinder. Verse 40, some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these things and said unto him, Are we blind also? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's exactly what it meant. Did you notice what they didn't want to see? Oh, I'm sorry, I gave it away. Did you know what they didn't want? They didn't ask to see. Did you see it? They'd already made up their minds. That's one of the questions that, I, that really does scare me. If you could have enough facts, there's never, there's never enough proof to cure unbelief. You show me something that's convinced there's no God. In and of themselves, there's never enough proof. You need more and more and more. They're just a continuation. Well, yeah, that's okay, but what about, and what about, and what about, and what about? And that's when you have to follow up the question is, if there was enough proof, just for a second, just, just humor me for a second, 
if there was enough proof for you to believe that there is a God that loves you, could you believe? Most of them can't answer that question because they choose not to because the answer is no. That, my friends, is scary. And that didn't start today. That was back there. They were blind and wanted to be blind towards Jesus. humbling, isn't it? And then, think about on the other side, how blessed are we to, for Jesus literally to reveal himself to us and we had not only the chance to believe but wanting to believe. That's a gift. Ephesians chapter 2. It is a miracle. Absolutely. It's all personal. It's all personal. And therein lies the truth that there is no one so blind as one who does not want to see. That is exact, and that is exactly what happened right there. They have chosen again. In other words, they didn't even follow the question. Well, are you saying we're blind? Can you help us? They didn't say they don't want to see from him. You see, that's that's a really dangerous place to be. Now, can God cut through that? Yes, of course. That's why we pray for that's why we pray for individuals that don't know Jesus personally. Because those walls can be broken down. They really can. But inside the deepest crevices that only they know that are there, in the innermost parts of their heart, God made us eternal. He made something that can only be satisfied by himself. Regardless of what we say, think, or do. Do you think these Pharisees are on, like they're feeling good about themselves right now? They know who they're rejecting. That's the one thing I want to make sure that you understand clearly. There was never hardly any opportunity from the very beginning that they did not know who Jesus was. They knew he was the Messiah. But if he was, and what he's asking them to do, remember the Sermon on the Mount? Right out of the box. This guy gets heavy, right? He goes to the inside. They don't want to change. Not in your life. Because we're in it for the money. We're in it for the power. We're in it for the prestige. And Jesus is asking us to be a servant? Not in your life. Not in your life. Boy, he's really revealed. Doesn't Jesus, he just cuts right through to it, doesn't he? Last verse, verse 41. And Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say, we see. Therefore, your sin remaineth. Boy, that's like a capstone. <laughs> if you truly were blind, there's hope. But since you say you can see, your sin is all over you. Wow. <laughs> is, is, is chapter 9 powerful or what? And then out of the blue, somebody put a chapter 10 right there, and we're still flowing. Okay? We're still flowing. Because then Jesus says, right then at that time, he tells a parable. Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Now, what he could have said is this. But climbeth up some other way, the same as a Pharisee or a high priest. <laughs> but he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. See, Fluffy's one of those. 
Do you remember? I don't know where it's at. Maybe somebody can tell me as we're as we're. You, I, it, it's speaking of toward the millennial kingdom, but it's like his rod. They will pass. His rod will pass over them. Where's that at? Does anybody know? You know what I'm talking about? Some heads are nodding. Okay, that is exactly the same thing. Is that shepherd? Well, let's let's stop. I'm kind of jumping in the middle, but let's talk, let's break it down. The fold is what. Let's just talk about this. This I'm going to talking not figuratively now. We're just talking about the physical aspects of what Jesus is describing. These are actual things. What is the fold? Okay, just but if, let's say you had a fold. Let's say you're bringing your sheep physically. Sheep, you, you're bringing your good sheep, one of them named Fluffy, and you come to the fold. What's the fold? It's the pen. Yeah, the corral. It's the place that you're going to because Fluffies aren't very good against Wolfies. We're going to have to bring them in every night. And that's correct, isn't it? you got sheep that you don't bring in every night. You don't have to bring them in after very many nights. Because the predators, the coyotes, the wolfies. See, a wolfie sounds just so soft, doesn't it? Wolf, right? That's what they really are. But they will, they will damage, scavenge, take out, kill, maim, destroy sheep. So that shepherd, being a good shepherd, oh, you know what? It's late. Why don't you sheep just hang out tonight? I, I can't take you in there. We're, you're just fend for yourselves. What kind of shepherd's that? That's a bad shepherd. That's a shepherd that doesn't care about his sheep, right? But a good shepherd. Those sheep. And it's interesting. What is all of this about? We've read it once, we'll read it again. Do sheep follow or do you drive them? A good, I'm talking good shepherd now. I'm not a very good shepherd. I was drove my sheep, right? <laughs> get out of here. Let's go. You know the crawlers. Get out of here. Get in there, right? Now, a good shepherd does what? Literally, they trust him so much, him or her, trust him so much that they follow. They know his or her voice. You watch a Peru the Peruvians. They're probably the mat for, for right now or the, uh, what's the, uh, the Basques. Those people have something with livestock in general. We had a Peruvian that helped us in, through a fall and a winter. Unbelievable. They just have something about them. They were just livestock-oriented. You take them up in the hills, those Basques or those Peruvians, on sheep, those sheep literally know they can trust that person. They can trust that person. That's what a good shepherd is. As you're coming to the fold or to the pen, now, there's two thoughts in process here, or, or potentialities. It seems, though, that the most is if you were coming to, uh, like, a town and... I didn't do enough geography, but there's kind of a plain or a plateau in the Hebron area, which Abraham would have been there, right? And it's thought to be about 17, 18 miles wide and 35 miles long. So it's a relatively big plain, not particularly good for growing crops, but it grows grass. It's kind of like, it, it, they say it's kind of rocky, a little bit arid. It sounds just like Montana, okay? Good for sheep. But again, suspect at night to predators, maybe two-legged predators as well. The shepherd leads his sheep into the fold. Now, it's thought to be more than just the outside pen that would be his own. This one would be a community fold, a place that several shepherds that would have been in the area. See what I'm saying? If you were in the area and your sheep were close, that wasn't just your fold. That was a fold that could be used by several shepherds. Now, think of that for a moment. That sounds like a mess to me. Right? Because I didn't know my sheep by name. Lois doesn't even believe I've had any sheep, but my father had sheep and he made me have sheep. Right? Okay? Good for him. Yeah, I knew you were doing it. But as, you, as these sheep, shepherd one, 
he brings his sheep in. And again, as they're going through the door, we're going to talk about that in a moment. As they're going through the door, he's inspecting each one of them. But literally, that's, they know them personally. They know them intimately. They want to know how they fared for the day. Because you know sheep, you know when they're grazing, if you watch sheep graze, they lose complete track of where they're at. They have no idea. They're just, they're just hunting. Oh, there's good grass. Oh, there's, the, there's some really good grass over here. And they're, oh, look at this over here. And, and they just go crazy, right? Especially in good grass. And all of a sudden, where am I at? Where am I at? Where are they at? <laughs> or, I, I've watched this. Have you ever seen a lamb or a sheep that lays down and goes to sleep? And the rest of them are gone? <laughs> they lose it because they have no homing instinct whatsoever. Where's the group? Where, oh, that one fell off a cliff. Let me go follow. <laughs> and if you don't think that, just watch the American people today. <laughs> we look a lot like sheep, don't we? Okay, anyway. Lost what's that? Lost sheep. lost sheep. There's a lot of loss going on, right? Okay, where was I at? I was lost right now. I got lost. Um, I love to make stories real, though. Um, okay, what do we have? We had shepherd one. And his sheep, and by the way, the other part of this is, in sheep raising today, you know, a band, which is plus or minus a thousand head. And uh, I, th I think, you know, one of the, almost his name, I didn't mean to. You know, they're running five or six bands. That's a lot of sheep. Do you think those guys named every single sheep? No. Do they know where their sheep are in their count? Yeah, they do. They do. But the sheep we're talking about here would be very personalized. This wouldn't be large groups. This shepherd here, they would be having a gathering of, I'm going to say probably between 10 and 20. Okay, Those are my numbers, but I'm just, the, the intimacy of the small herder mentality is very, very fixed in the scriptures and the gospels. So every one of those would have been, just as Jesus said, they would be named. And I'm sure one of them is fluffy. And one of them is limpy. Right? And there's got to be a blackie. There's probably a whitey. Right? No racism at all here. They're all sheep, and he's checking them all over. Dopey, yeah, could have been one of those, right? God, no, no, there's more than one of those. I know that. <laughs> Where did they go? Where did they go? <laughs> this is going to sound good on tape, I can tell already. <laughs> this one, the, the only tape you can see in living color. There's Larry Friend. Where did he go? <laughs> okay, okay, that's why we have sheepdogs. Hey, 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 over here, over here, right? Okay, stop, Larry, too much. Too much animation. All right, we're having fun, though. And we're supposed to have fun studying God's Word. It should be fun. It really should. It's real truthful, and it should be fun. Okay, so he's checking them all over, and here comes Shepherd 2. And here comes him, or he, or she, with his or her little flock. And they go into the same pen, same fold. Now, why, why are they going here? Why are they in the pen? For protection, right? Okay. And so checks in his little account. Yeah, everybody's here. Everybody looks great. Huh, good day. And there's probably five or six of these. Now, what does the shepherd do for the evening now that he has went? Did you, let's, let's go to our text for a moment. Chapter 10. Let's keep reading. He that entereth in by the gate, by the door, verse 2, is the shepherd of the sheep. Keep that in mind. Listen to that for a moment. Just keep that in your mind. To him, to, who's him? The shepherd of the sheep. To him, that shepherd, the porter. Well, now, what's a porter? The porter openeth. Who's the porter? He's the guy that's keeping the fold for the night. In other words, make no mistake, if you're a shepherd and you're on call from the early morning till the early or the late evening bringing your sheep in, guess what you get to do for the next few hours because you've got a porter or a gatekeeper, you're going to take a few winks. 
right? You're going to get some. You're going to get some rest. That's another reason for this community fold, is for one guy then that his job, which he was snoozing in the daytime, is now taking care of the job of protecting the gate for those sheep that are within. Now the next morning, or let's say there's a guy that's pretty shifty. He doesn't have any sheep. <coughs> He'd like to get some sheep. And he puts on his shepherd hat. And he's got his cane. And he walks up to the porter. Uh, just came to get my sheep. You're a porter, by the way. Okay, did you pick that up, Bill? Very good. You're coming along. Huh? Uh, I'm coming to get my sheep. And you say, I'm going to help you out here right now, Bill. Let's see. And your name is? Um, I'm, 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 I'm one of the shepherds. Oh, that's not going to work here. Because they all checked in with names. You're not on the list. I'm sorry. Your sheep aren't here. That's what the porter does. He protects the sheep from the non-shepherds or the false shepherds. And as Jesus says, the thieves are the robbers. So what is he going to try to do next? He's probably try to crawl in now, are they crawling in to like the sheep? Now, a shepherd, there's something about a shepherd. We talked about this, we get into it. When Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, there's a lot of things that go, I can't get into it a lot, but one of the things we know is we know that person that is a shepherd loves the sheep. Now, that person that's just coming to rob or to steal, they're looking to fleece, destroy, or steal. They'll do it by hook or crook. That's what Jesus is alluding to in this story right now of what's happened to the religious leaders of Israel. They don't care about the people. They don't care at all about the people. They're there to just profit, take money, make money out of greed. They, they even extorted widows. We could go to the scriptures and see what they actually literally took from widows. The poorest of sheep. Isn't that something? Okay, let's keep going. So the porter, we know what he does. How would you like to have a... This is actually a true story. Uh, years and years ago, there's, there was a, remember a candid camera? Our young people won't remember that. The ones that are nodding, you're old, just like I am, so I'm sorry. Candid camera, and they actually went on campus to a fairly uppity-uppity kind of a, a college campus, okay? And they had, they had uh, what do we want to say, dressed up or made up like they were uh, career professionals, and they had done some tests, and they had read them, which these kids had taken tests, okay? So what they'd done now is they'd slipped it, and this was all set up, and it was, you know, you understand. I mean, it's, it's to have fun. That's what candy camera did, right? So anyway, they said, so here's this one young man, and, and he's got great aspirations, you know, and this, <laughs> this, this guidance counselor sits down and says, well, we went over your test results, and it's really clear that you really excel at something that, I mean, you are going to be absolutely fantastic at this career, and we're excited for you. You know, the guy just, we can't wait. You know, banker, lawyer, doctor. I mean, what is it? He said, you are an absolute cutout to be a shepherd. <laughs> and on camera, I, I, I didn't have the opportunity to see it. They just said it was like, <laughs> he just goes limp, right? A shepherd? <laughs> you know what? That's kind of how it is today, too, isn't it? But a shepherd in the time of which Jesus walked the earth, that's what made it work. Even, even think back. Remember when the Israelites were in Egypt? 
way back when. Jacob, his family, there's like 70 or 80 of those that went in there, right? And they come with their little, during a famine. The Egyptians couldn't stand shepherds. So they sent them to the land of, wasn't it Gothen? Goshen, Goshen, Goshen. Because they couldn't even have them in their sight. You see what I'm saying? Shepherd isn't a popular thing. And yet that's what Jesus has declared himself being. Just a little bit, I am not a shepherd. I am not just the, I am the good shepherd. Wow. Where did I leave you? What, what verse were we in? Help me. Verse 4, let's try that. No, that's not right. Verse 3, we'll read the porter again because Bill, Bill held us up there just a second. You're the, you were the porter, right? Good job, too. <laughs> to him the porter openeth. He, let, he lets the shepherd in, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and he leadeth them out. So in other words, when shepherd one comes back in in the morning, oh, has his coffee, gets a cup of orange juice, and he's ready to hit the trail with the other sheep. He walks in, meets Bill at the gate. Says, I'm shepherd one. Oh, yeah, I remember you. Yeah. So he stands at the gate and gives him the old shepherd one call, whatever that is. And guess what? The sheep, oh, oh, our leaders, hey, let's go, guys. Hey, hey, don't be over here. And they head out the gate. They go to pasture. They follow the shepherd. They follow the shepherd. They hear his voice. He knows them. They know him. Let's keep going. Verse 5. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of the stranger. You know, I'm laughing right now. Apparently, I was a stranger. <laughs> My sheep did not know me. <laughs> and I suspect one of the reasons is, what makes a really good shepherd, we talked about a little bit with some of the, a Basque or a Peruvian, they love shepherding. That's really important. If you hate shepherding, the sheep aren't going to love you. Right? And how are the faults? I'm coming back. You see, it all fits together. The Sadducees, the religious leaders, the high priest, all of those. Why weren't they very good shepherds? They didn't love the sheep. They loved themselves. They loved everything the sheep could bring them. They didn't love the sheep. See the difference? It's big, isn't it? Let's keep going. Now, after six verses, oh, I'm sorry. Watch, watch verse six. This parable spake Jesus unto them, that they understood not what things they were, which he spoke unto them. In other words, after the five verses, they're like sitting there. What are you talking about? So then he says this. Verse seven. Then said Jesus unto them again. Let's try it again. Oh, that's not there, but that's what he's saying. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. He has now said... That's a message of salvation. I, Jesus, am not a door somewhere. I am the door for the sheep. If you come through the door, through me, you will be saved. 
Let's go to John 3.16. Just, I mean, it's a common verse. Everybody knows it. Just turn back a couple of verses, a couple of pages. John 3.16. You guys all know it by heart. But it means so much more when you think about it and you see it of what it really ties in in the sense of the shepherd. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, capital S, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's saved. That's what that means. And you got to come through Jesus. You can't come through Buddha. You can't come through Hare Krishna. You can't come through anything else except, say it, Jesus. Now, that's a real problem if you don't want to believe. Right? And that's the ones that don't want to believe is the ones that don't like that. Oh, that's so, that's so biased. That's so uh, narrow. Yeah, good for you. You're catching part of the truth. Right? It is narrow. It is small. But God made the rules. And if you make stuff out of nothing, you get to do that. If you want to create out of nothing your own little planet and come back and compare, hey, that's not bad. Good luck with that. God made it. He can say it. Jesus is the only way that one can be saved. Jesus says, I am the door. I'm the door. Now, the other thing is, we, we forgot to say it, but maybe that porter that Bill was protecting, and in our mind, when we see the word gate or door, what do you think of? This is not hard. Just say, gate or a door. Okay? In other words, right here, let's just say this for a moment. This, this, is actually gonna, this, this door has worked so well for so many years and so many analogies, it's amazing. Okay, now I'm opening the door. In your mind, when I say door or gate, Bill is actually, he's guarding on the outside of this, he's guarding the door. That's what you'd look like, Bill. I mean, you, you're there. You're the guy, right? And if, if you guys, what you're hearing my voice not seeing me, it looks like Bill is protecting the door. But I want to take that out of your mind for a moment because that's not how it probably was. Let's get the door going. Let's take it away. Let's pop it off the hinges. This is a doorway now, isn't it? That's the idea. There was no physical door or gate. The shepherd protected the sheep, particularly out there in the hills or on the plain where it was his fold, his pen. They would go in and he would sleep, literally get down and sleep in the opening of the gate because he was protecting the gate to his sheep. And when Jesus said, I am the door, that's what that meant. That's how precious and intimate that was. You would literally have to go through Jesus to get my sheep. <laughs> I'm happy about that because that means I'm really secure in Jesus. He is so wanting you to come through him. He desires it. He desires it. See, that just worked for me. The more I dug in and the more I saw, there probably wasn't a door or a gate there. The shepherd was guarded that. You've got to go through Jesus to get to my sheep, to, to his sheep. Just the way he plans it. Just the way you read it. Just the way it is in the scriptures. Huh, do, do, you, do you know, this? there's something good... <clears throat> We haven't used any of the notes yet. 
We're right where God wants us to be. Isn't that true? That's what we prayed about. We, we're right where God wants us to be. We're set up. Jesus is unfolding us. Now let's keep going. He says, I am the door. I am the door. What verse? Uh, verse 10. Watch. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life. There again, you can see the sense of salvation. I, that you might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. See, it's not just a life insurance policy. Literally, he's not, he, didn't, he didn't give his life for you. His life is in you. That's the only way that you can have abundant life is to have literally the, the freshness of the Holy Spirit living within you. Oh, it's magnificent, isn't it? To know that that's the Jesus that is the door. Ah, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Is that the right time? Uh, why don't you just turn back a couple hours and we'll be right on target. Paul, it seems incredibly hot in here. Could you turn that air conditioner? Does it work? Let's turn that baby on. I'm, I'm smoking up here. I don't know what the rest of the people are. Let's go to, uh, let's see, no, we've already done that. Okay. Are there some things in the, in the notes that we went through? Uh, Um, as, I mean, actually, physically the same. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Jesus kind of—they really went with their tail between their legs too, right? I mean, it's that was a humbling day. But this is just the chapter after that. It, it's, it's a continuation. Yeah, you get. And, and I will say, we talked about it a little bit last week, but uh, chapter eight, <coughs> verses one through eleven, or one through twelve, whatever it is, on the woman caught in adultery. That is that is not in the earliest manuscripts. Not going to say that it's not true. Is that exactly where it was popped in? I don't know that. Okay, but the point of the matter is where we were flowing after when he said, "I'm the light of the world." The potential of all of those people at that time could have been in in attendance here, and make no mistake, it would have been the same kind of people because that's what they wanted. They wanted power and control and money at any cost. At any cost. I mean, I can't. How would it be like to have Jesus just, I mean, I would just a bystander just watching this take place. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> right? Oh. I mean, it just, he just, boom. And he, and he does it with such, I'm going to, there was still a tenderness to it. He still wanted people to see what they should see. It was willfulness, the willful blindness. That's where he had, he, he, he drew the line. He says, no, that's fine. That's fine. You can't be there. That's your choice. You have chosen to not believe. Jesus leads his sheep. Um, let's go to, uh, let's dive into verse 11. Because here we go into the second, back to the fourth overall I am in John. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Let's name some other shepherds from the scripture. I mean, this is not a new, you know, Jesus saying, I am a shepherd, the good shepherd. Is that the first time you've ever seen it? Of course not. Who is the first shepherd you can think of? Wrong. Go all the way back to Genesis. Abel. Abel. Remember Abel? Abel was one that got killed because he sacrificed, gave what God wanted. He gave him the best of the best. And who's his, who is his loving, loving brother? Cain. Cain killed him. 
killed his brother? Wow. Ooh. It's amazing how we don't have to have weapons to be lethal, right? It's a heart problem. Cain had a heart problem. But Abel was a shepherd. How, what did God say about Abel? How he loved Abel, didn't he? He said, good job. That was what I was talking about. I need the best. That's how I know I that you love me. You're going to give me your best. As a Christian, when we give our life to Jesus Christ, and how do we know that, how does he know that we love him? Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will follow me, right? I, one of the best things you can, that God loves to, from his children is for his children to follow him. Are we following him? Oh, where did they go, right? Are we like dopey? Where did, where, where did they go, right? He wants us to follow him. Christ followers. A disciple. What's a disciple? What's a Christian? A follower. A follower. Let's keep rolling. Tell me, oh, Abel. You said somebody. Abraham, right? Abraham. Abraham great shepherd, right? God blessed him mightily. Whew. He has some good sheep. Who else? Excuse me? David. 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 Now, that was probably the king of shepherds, if there was such a thing, right? They didn't usually have the king. They didn't have that He's the king of shepherds over there. Now, that guy's a shepherd now. No, see, a shepherd was a shepherd. You know, there's something about a shepherd that's just spoken in humility, isn't it? The best shepherds were humble. That's why I'm thinking that God said to him, he's a man after my own heart. David was a shepherd, shepherd. How about Jacob? He was a little bit of a sneaky bugger, right? He was one tremendous shepherd. He was into genetics. He was into doing things right. He loved breeding sheep. He was, he was a shepherd. Who else? Moses. Moses kind of got into the skill later in life because he failed people leading early. So God said, let's go to sheep 101, and let's see how you do with the herding of the sheep. Because if you can herd sheep, then you can herd my people. Forty years of that, he was ready to lead the Israelites. Right? Who else? Anyone else? There's got to be one more. Wait, you guys exhausted my notes too. I dribbled down that. We're done. There are no more shepherds in the Bible. We got them all. <laughs> How about a fig picker? Amos, right? There's one of those. He was probably a shepherd on the side. There was a couple of guys that the angels appeared to. There was a few there when they were gathered up. Now, that's another. Let's think of that for a moment. Okay. The Messiah's coming. The anointed one, Emmanuel. Mary knows it. Joseph knows it. But no one else knows it. The innkeeper obviously didn't know it. Ooh, there's no room for you. You can go out in the stable. So, but the announcement has to be made to somebody. And God says, I'm going to send the angels. That's a nice ring, isn't it? They're going to send angels to the event. Glory to high, Hosanna, right? All that stuff. Who's the first one we're going to go? Let's see, let's see. Let's go through the list. Oh, let's start with the shepherds. <laughs> Only God would do that. Shepherds are number one on my list. <laughs> I think there's a reason. The heart of a shepherd is kind and tender and loving and give everything for you. That's why pastors are called shepherds. That's why we're going we're gonna to close today. Don't let me forget this. Wherever we, wherever we sort of get close to closing and we're not really closing... Remind me, Paul, to go to Hebrews chapter 13, okay? Because it ties in beautifully a shepherd. A shepherd. Let's talk about 
We got time. We got we got ten minutes. We're gonna rock through and we're gonna come up with three things that shepherds do for sheep, especially if you're Jesus Christ and you're the good shepherd. Verse eleven, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Go to Matthew chapter 20. Oh, before you do that, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I want us to see something. This is the shepherd of shepherds. Whoever said that um, uh, David, this is right out of his workbook, and he's about to take on Goliath. Oh, would that be the perfect person to take on Goliath, the shepherd? Of course, because he's trusted God all his life. I've got to find this now. Um, let's see here. Let's, let's go out in uh, chapter 17 and verse 31. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 31. When the words were heard which David spake, in other words, he's saying, why aren't we taking this Goliath guy out? Aren't we, isn't this God's battle? When they heard what David spoke, they rehearsed them before Saul. Who's Saul? He's the king. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him, Goliath. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, uh, Thou art not able to stand or to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Did you see the sense of sacrifice that a shepherd has? Now, I'm going to be honest. See, that would sort me out of the sheep business. If I've got a lion or I've got a bear and he's got a lamb and it's in his mouth, I'm going to say... Better luck next time. But did you see the connection between the shepherd and the sheep? And why David was such a good shepherd? And why he was such a good leader of people? He knew no bounds but to sacrifice everything he was to take care of what he had been afforded the opportunity to, to protect. Don't you love it? He would be the perfect one to go after the Philistine because he's literally defying the armies of the living God. We know what Jesus did. He died for the sheep. Turn back with me to Matthew now. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28. We'll go quickly pick up the steam. Matthew chapter 20 verse 28. Matthew 20, 28. I'll get there. He's actually, uh, he's with the 12 disciples and they're, it's during the time of their Last Supper. In verse 24, chapter 10, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 20, verse 24, when the ten heard it, they removed the indignation against the two brethren. What were the two brethren talking about? What was going on here? Now, they're in this place. Last time they're going to be together. They don't know that probably. They're the last time together, and, they're, and the two brothers are saying, can we sit at your right hand and at your left hand in the kingdom? That'll make the other ten happy. Right? What were they trying to be? They were trying to be the greatest. What happens in America today? Want to be the greatest? Want to have the most power, the most money, the most stuff? 
most toys, blah, 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 right? Watch what Jesus does. He says, oops, I'm in the wrong book. Matthew chapter 20, verse 24, I just told you that the ten, when they heard that, they removed the indignation against the two brothers. Jesus called them unto him and he said this, you know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister or your servant. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Now watch verse 28. Even as the Son of Man, that's Jesus Christ, came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and watch, to give his life a ransom for many. As John the Baptist saw this Jesus Christ coming in the first time, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Jesus gave his life for the sheep. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. 2 Corinthians 5.21. This lays it perfectly in line with what's happening. For he... 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That verse is so fantastic. You, you need to have that verse tucked away close. When Satan is accusing you of something and you've trusted Christ, you can say this. Jesus look, took my sin and he didn't sin and I have his righteousness. That just blows my mind. Talk about give us what we need. He died for the sheep. He died for the sheep. You might write down in your notes, uh, we don't want a time to go there, Isaiah 53.8 and Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Isaiah 53.8 and Matthew 1.21. Let's go back to John chapter 10. Let's move on. Not only did he die for the sheep... He knows or loves his sheep. Watch this now in verse 14. I am the good shepherd. Actually, we, let's, let's, let's follow through. The, the, the opposite of giving his life is the hireling, the one that's been doing it for money. Verse 12. He that is a hireling, that is being hired for the job, not the shepherd, not the one that owns the sheep. He seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catches them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Did you see there was four times he said the word no? That no is the sense of intimacy. When people will come, it talks about it in the last, in the judgment it says, uh, Oh, and I did this in your name, and I, and I did this, and I did this. What is Jesus going to respond? Depart from me, for I never knew you. To know one is to have an intimate relationship with. In fact, look down at verse 17. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I laid on my life, and I might take it again. To be known to, as he knows me is literally to love you. Jesus, as he contemplated dying and loving, turn to John 15, 13 for a moment. Just turn over to John chapter 15. John 15, 13. Isn't this true? Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And to think of 
Before we loved him, he loved us by dying for us. First John tells us of that. Not only did he die for us, he knows and loves us, but this is really good news for you today. Because I was going to ask, how many of you are Jews? None of you raised your hand, and I think for good reason. You aren't a Jew. This fold of which Jesus Christ is talking about, this fold, this pen, this gathering of, is the nation of Israel. It could even be diagnosed as the religion Judah, Ju- Judaism. And out of that, Jesus would call those that are his. But there's really good news. The reason you're in this room is because God saw bigger things than just Israel. Look at verse 16. He's uniting the sheep as well. Look at verse 16. And other sheep I have. Ah, good, good, good. Which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold or one flock and one shepherd. Who's he speaking of? The Gentiles. The Gentiles, he's he's uniting them together. He unites them. In fact, turn back to Matthew chapter 28. The the Great Commission of what he says, go out in all of the world. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Starting verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. That shepherd is uniting. Ephesians chapter 2 speaks of it as well, that the wall, the partition between Jews and Gentiles has been broken down. Let's, let's take a look at something else. This is just the next chapters. John chapter 11. If you're still back in John, let's go there quickly. And I apologize for as quick as we're moving, but it'll all come together. John chapter 11, and let's look now. Let's start in verse 45. Okay, things are really starting to ramp up. This is actually just the next chapter in John, after chapter 10. But then in verse 45 of chapter 11, it says, Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. And some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. Watch verse 49. And one of them, named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, You know nothing at all, nor consider it, that it is expedient for us, it's best for us, that one man should die for the people, and the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being the high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for the nation, and not for that nation only, but also he should, he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Think of that. He spoke that prophecy without even knowing what he really said. The shepherd dies for the sheep. He loved the sheep. He united the sheep. How did Jesus say, we've said it once already today, how, did, how do you know that, how does Jesus know that you love him? We know he loves us. How do we know? The shepherd, he died for us. He's united us. How do we know that we love him? Before you answer, I mean, what you're doing is you're scrolling back and you're thinking of something. That, but what did he just tell us that sheep do? They follow. Who do we follow? 
We follow our shepherd. How do we know it's our shepherd? We know his voice. How do we know his voice? The word of God. The word of God speaks so loudly, so clearly, and when we know how the shepherd speaks, we know when the false shepherd is speaking. That's why to a Christian today, see, and, and it's hard for us sometimes to think of why can't people see what's going on in our nation? Because Jesus isn't their shepherd. Right? Aren't you glad that you know your shepherd? So why don't we follow him all the time? Exactly. No answer. Because with love comes obedience. With obedience, there's love. They're almost indistinguishable in the sense they have to be together. Let me tell you, how, let, let me give you a perfect example. Jesus Christ, it was, it was considered before the foundation of the world, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. It was determined before God made anything that he would choose us. Who's us? The ones that have been accepted by Christ, those that have been called by God, that we would be accepted we would be chosen in him. Who's him? H-I-M, capital H-I-M, Jesus Christ. He determined that before he made anything. God the Son had already been part of that commitment, that sacrifice, complete, locked in, going to do it. Time goes on. We don't know how long before he created it. Before he created anything was that decision made. We don't know. Eternity passed. Don't know. It's part of the foreverness. Earth comes. People sin. It gets worse. The perfect time, Galatians 4, 4, the Messiah comes. The night before, he was crucified. You remember what Jesus said? Father, if it, if this cup could pass for me, but your will be done. That's love and obedience. Would have Jesus ever failed to do that? No, I'm convinced he wouldn't have. But did you see it was still a choice? In fact, look at this. Chapter 10. Let's close here. We got one. Paul's going to remind us of what we need to remind, remind ourselves of. John chapter 10. But look at this for just a second. I want you to see this. After he said this, verse 16, pick up where we are. The other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them which I must bring, they shall hear my voice. There shall be one fold and one shepherd. In other words, there are going to be one flock, Gentiles and, and, and Jews all together. Therefore, verse 17, doth my father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it up again. This commandment have I received from my Father. Did you see that? He was not crucified at the hands of men. Out of, in fact, he would have been stoned the first time when they picked up stones to throw at him. He gave his life freely and fully, obeying the will of God, having the right, the choice to not do that. But he did. <laughs> and we're here because he did. Let's look now. This is... We've went through a lot of stuff, and this probably isn't exactly the best place to close, but this is where we're going to close this part. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20. Hebrews 13, 20. <clears throat> 13, 20. 
And if you go through the book of Hebrews, your head is just swarming with stuff. Oh, by the way, before we do that, one more verse. Do you mind? We were talking about this in True Seekers the other night. One of the things that's going on, and this is something that uh, I think as churches, we need to be prepared to take a very strong stand in all of this. There's something that's happened now through this COVID-19 that I think is very sinister, okay? And that's dividing people from God, okay? We've done it, in a, and I'm saying we as a nation, as states, as governments, as whatever, we've done it very, very, uh, I'm going to say if we look back at this, we will say that was a real turning point right there. Now, in California particularly, Gavin Newsom has really said that it is illegal to meet indoors to worship at a church service. Period. Okay? Now, there's some of those pastors have risen up and said, that's enough. We followed these orders early. And keep in mind now, this is a statistic now that I, I guess is more real than it's been before. The CDC came out three days ago and said this. Of all of the COVID-19 deaths that have been attributed to it, 6% are truly COVID-19 deaths. So of the 184,000 of which have been attributed to the United States, that makes it between eight and 9,000. Now, again, those are precious lives. Don't, mark, don't miss on anything that I'm saying here. But what, we, but what we've done to do that pales in how we've destroyed a country and what we're trying to do to churches. I'm going to particularly take that. Right now, it is illegal to have church indoors in California. And I asked our group on Thursday night, I said, if someone came into this building, and we're probably not doing it right, all I know is this. God is here today. He is here today. He is ministering to us through his word. What would we say that we literally need to be here in 2020? Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 25. And if it doesn't make any more... This, this, this is just so... In fact, let's start in verse 24. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. You need to have these verses handy because this is why we do what we do. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider one another to provoke, that is to encourage unto love and to good works. If there is a time that we need love and good works, is it not in America today? with the division and all of the hatred and all the things that are going, do we not need to get together as a church being surrounded by our good shepherd who died for us and loved us and is uniting us for us to go forward with a message of love? This makes sense, but it doesn't stop there. In fact, it just starts the sentence. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. What is that? What we're doing right now. As the manner of some is, but exhorting, again, lifting up, encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The end times. If you don't think we're living in the end times, I think you need to guess again. That's important for us to take a stand. We need to meet with each other. We need to be fueled up. i got to be fueled up. And that's exactly what, this, what Satan and the evil empire does not want, is for Christians to be fueled up. If I'm over the top of the line, I don't really care because this right now is a pinnacle. We have got to adhere to the rights that we've been afforded by our former and marvelous forefathers that gave their lives to have religious free from government. We have to be able to, wish, to, to worship our God freely and regularly because that's the only way we have any chance of getting it right. 
to God be the glory, great things he has done, because he is the great shepherd. Now, Hebrews 13, 20. He ends that. That guy that wrote that, right? We don't even know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Exactly. God did. That's right. And we don't know the guy that... But yeah, the Holy Spirit. Look what the Holy Spirit says in chapter 13 of Hebrews, verse 20. Now, the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect, that's complete in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And if that isn't a wonderful benediction, let's pray. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your care. Thank you for the good shepherd who is the door to eternal life. Thank you, Father, for your provisions that you've made through grace, through the giving of your Son. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit, which is active in lives of those that have accepted Christ. Father, if there's someone that does not know Jesus Christ personally today, that today would be that day they would look to you with humility, with repentance, and trusting faith. Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Yes, Jesus, I accept the gift of you dying for my sins. Yes, I accept your righteousness that you had given to me when, I, when Jesus, you took my sin. Yes, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Today, I do that in the name of Jesus. And when that happens, you become a brand new person. From the inside out, that one that trusts Christ no longer goes it alone. The Holy Spirit indwells, guides, and loves. And those days that are overwhelming, those days that are too much, Holy Spirit is groaning and travailing and praying in indistinguishable ways for your good. That's the God that designed salvation through Jesus. Father, I thank you for each one of those that are here today. I thank you for working in our lives, the journey you've taken us through. We trust you. We believe in you. We pray for our nation. We ask that we would humbly bow before a great and awesome God, a creator of all, one that loves us and loves life, loves family, loves law, loves order, and is in control. Father God, protect and provide. Show us what you want us to do and how to do it. We trust you in Jesus' name. This being the first 